David Manica is here today back with us on a topic that we haven't hit before, but here goes, career insurance. Yeah, so I think, John, you and I have some thoughts that this might be able to be built out into something very deep and meaningful for our constituencies. I mean, John, you do so much work around supporting executive professionals on, on their next step that I think this conversation about career insurance is so important. Look, this is now guarantee. This is not an underwritten product, but this is a mindset that workers, executives, professionals, white collar, even blue collar workers have to start thinking in the face of the way the job market is moving. So we're gonna dig into this topic, give folks an introduction to this topic, and I'm hopeful that we'll start breaking it down to some more core components over time. I think that's a great idea. So if someone has a hang up just about insurance, or this is gonna be a show on insurance and why you need it, and some kind of advertisement, what do you say to that? Let's, let's break down insurance and then let's get right well, into it. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> Mr. David Manica, speaking about himself in the third person, which everybody loves when somebody does it, never buys any warranty or insurance unless he absolutely positively has to. So you're talking, you're preaching to the choir when it's somebody saying, I hate insurance. So this concept is pretty funny since I'm the one that's really excited about it, but it's not a product. It's a mindset. It's it's changing the way professionals look at their career. How are they looking at their reactive, career now? Reactive, reactive, reactive. Example. Oh, I just got laid off. Oh, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh, there's oh, a new boss. There's a new boss. I don't like this person. Our division's being sold. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to run and try to fix my resume. Where, where's my resume? Was last time I did my resume? Oh, do I know anybody that has a job? Where can I find something? Oh, is there any trade association? Oh, 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 oh. All reactive. And... Why, John, why? Why is planning for our careers always been reactive? I think many people that went through a four-year school usually have talks about career six, eight, nine months easy in advance, or maybe mm -hmm. they did an internship. So they're prepping for that at least in the last two years of a traditional four-year college. I think when we get to be professionals, we're cruising. We've made, we started making some money in our career. We started having a family. If you have a family or you have dogs or cats or whatever, <laughs> uh, and you build into your lifestyle. But it, it does surprise me that people are shocked when a change comes. Yes. And then they're in the office or I get a call from HR for outplacement or whatever, and we're going to have a lot of shocked people. And frankly, why, why are they so reactive and they're... Maybe, maybe they're a month away. I feel like you know the, the hammer's gonna hit in a month. Uh, and it's just shock to them. They don't know what to do. They, they do send out the resume, throw things out, but there's, there's no, there are not a lot of people other than clients that I've drummed this into their head or they had a, you know, a big setback where they go, you know what, you were right. This is not happening again. I'm not gonna be mentally or physically with my collateral and my documents, my brand ever be this unprepared again. But that's, right. a but, rare, guess what that's a rarity, David. But guess what happens? So you, you're so right. When you pound it into someone, they get it. But when it happens, then three years later, they've forgotten it. And they went back to the same old habits. I think it has to do with, you know, somewhere out there at some point in time, a college graduate got this notion that they're going to have a job for life. They're going to have a career for life. And whether it's the 50s or 60s, leave it the beaver stories, you know, with the Mr. Cleaver sitting there reading the paper after work. <laughs> I don't know where it's at, but basically we got this notion that once in the career, I will always have a career. And then we make this our work, our purpose. And so we're so fixated on growing that purpose that when that purpose gets pulled out from under us, 
we completely freak out because we made work who we are and not who we are, what we are. So I think there's some psychological to this. I also think there's some sociological to this, but ultimately, sell them if any time somebody's really prepared for this. And they have to be now. Coming from your experience, you've been entrepreneurial, you've hired people, you've had to let people go. Absolutely. Uh, and have those tough conversations. Mm-hmm. You've gone through this reinvention yourself. Give us a little David background to, to why you're so passionate about this subject. I'm so passionate about the subject because when I, I ran a company for 13 years and when it was getting sold, I looked back and said I was so fixated on running the company, I didn't think about myself. I didn't think about my next step. And, you know, of course, who did I go to? Career Pro and John O'Connor for help back, I think it was 2013 or 2012 because I had not thought about it one bit. I had a small local network. I was not connected in any trade associations. I had not done my resume in 13 years. And here's the skinny. It's kind of like a badge of honor. Oh, I haven't had to touch my resume, John, in 13 years. That must mean I'm a good guy because I have a steady job and they like me. You know, it's not a badge of honor. It's not very smart. So, you know, when I went through that and I saw the other side, then you start reading more and more about the challenges that 50 plus and 40 plus age-wise have in this marketplace based on rapid change and are the belief that 40s and 50s plus people, men, women, you know, whatever race can't learn as fast as our younger compatriots, then you start really seeing how critical this is. So that's my story. Basically, I got into it because I was, I was being thrust into a change and I did be a little bit more, I was a little bit more proactive, but still I was starting from nothing. What are some of the steps or just thought process-wise that people need to take to have this career insurance mindset built in, not be surprised by these changes? What are some of the core things that you need to get right in your spirit, maybe, yes, uh, and, and maybe in your intellect and brain to get, start getting thinking right about this subject? So number one, you will be displaced at least once in your career. And displaced people are not bad. They're like, ooh, they have leprosy. It's so funny. You're going to hire someone that's not employed? That's a bad thing. Oh, you're going to hire somebody that was laid off? They were laid off because they were no good. I mean, that fallacy still permeates our culture, and it's crazy. No, each one of us will be laid off for no good reason at least once, if not more times in our career. The more risks you take, the more it's going to happen. And risks are good because risks can have high-end rewards. Look at the millennial generation. They've reacted to that. They reacted to that by providing no loyalty to their companies. They sometimes reacted before they needed something to react to. Exactly. They're saying, my mom and dad came home one day, laid off for no good reason. Why am I going to give loyalty to these companies? So that generation is more contract workers, more entrepreneurial. They stay at companies for shorter periods of time, and they seldom work for Fortune 500. So... We have to accept the fact that you're going to get laid off and it's not a bad thing. It is. It's not bad. It's not good. It is. So accept that. Both laid off people are good workers, just bought in a bad situation, and you can't think that, oh, I'm so good I won't be laid off. So let's start there. (laughs) We were just talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs today in a meeting that we had, and I just thought it was funny. You know, there's the survival jobs. There's the 
kind of career situation you get in and then you feel like you get in your mission field in a sense which we talk a lot about here mm -hmm. and try and get people closer to their purpose and not just job wise but environment wise around the people but you know what people move and change yes even great companies for example a great company around here that's always in the top 10 of best places to work might be a red hat uh, a, or SAS. a SAS Institute. Mm -hmm. But Appendo is starting to become that mm -hmm. way locally. But even at those companies, if you're in a even a, a toxic situation or the or the leadership changes or they change the deal in your compensation package, you might be going, you know what? I'm not like the world changed around me. Yes. And I need to do something. So even at these ideal best places to work. It's, there's change. It's it can happen. Yes. Some of them are building up and being a target for sale. Like Red Hat was sold to IBM. And, were you, and if you're a middle-level manager there, are you pervy to making the decision not to do that because you don't want to change the culture? Right. I, there no. was no vote. No. It's a shareholder value situation. They're going to sell regardless of whether you like the you think the IBM culture stinks and you don't want to be a part of it. It is what it is. So that's the first step. The first step is realizing that change will occur and that we have to be prepared for change. We can't react to change any longer. We prepare just like the military. John, you were a, a successful military man. What did you do? You, tra you train, 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 and plan, plan, plan. So when it happens, it's instinctual. It just happens. It's muscle memory for yeah. a sports person. So you do the same thing in planning. So career insurance is about proactively planning. And there's three elements of career insurance which we can go over. And inside of those elements are deep dives that we can We're have We're going to go over the deep dives later. But yeah. what are the three core elements? So the first core element is being as indispensable as possible in your current job. So we can talk about the being indispensable in your current job. The second stage of this is when you have to pivot what are the elements of making a pivot, making a change? What do you have to be doing? What do you have to be looking at? Even while you're being indispensable or trying to be indispensable in your current job, you still have to be doing two, which is making yourself available in the marketplace, making yourself seen as valuable in the marketplace. And then the third is, of course, the potential that someday someone might actually underwrite career hmm. insurance. So think about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. LinkedIn has all of our skills, all of our backgrounds, all of our experiences. They could create an algorithm that puts a table of underwriting table, an actuarial table against each one of us to present us as a risk factor for being employable. <laughs> that, that's common. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's still, bit. I'm sorry, that's still Airy Ferry. So the third one's well, Airy Ferry. Let's get into Airy Ferry. What's, you want to talk about Airy Ferry first? A little bit, a little bit. Okay. Uh, at, talk about actuary, actuarial tables for those who don't know. It's a little review for people mm -hmm. like my brother who's in risk management up mm -hmm. in New York, New Jersey. But tell us a little well, bit you about how me... insurance views you. Yeah, so this is, you just want me to talk about how I'm fat. So, so John, John, oh, you know, he wants to say, so when I go in for well, my... People that have habits. Yeah, exactly. So when, I go for my, yeah, so when I go for my life insurance thing, the first thing I look at is I'm overweight. What's my BMI? My BMI is probably 38 or 40. So my, the actual area table is going to say, this guy's got a risk of heart disease, got a risk of a heart attack, got a risk of diabetes, other issues. So my health insurance rate is going to be... Wait a minute, like my life insurance rate's going to be higher. Very good. And then if I That's put smoking on there, forget about it, John. I'm history, right? <laughs> You're right. talking about five thousand dollars a month for a million dollars of insurance. But so that's just the way it is. So the actuary table for our for our career insurance would be our personal brand. So if LinkedIn decided to do this, I did do. Sorry for my 
inability to speak appropriately. So if LinkedIn decided to do this, they would start weighing attributes of our personal brand on LinkedIn. How many references do you have? Given as well as gotten, because there's you know, more power in They're doing a lot of this now, how you're ranked on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I right. don't have all the algorithms, but people are often say to me still to this day, after years and years on LinkedIn, and you know, uh, well, I can't believe that my LinkedIn comes up so high when someone Googles my name. I, don't, I haven't really done anything on LinkedIn. It's because they ranked it high and who owns it yeah. and who recognizes it as valid, Google, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it comes up high on Bing, of course. And yes, wherever the Microsoft worldview is as mm -hmm. it relates to their search engine ops and so in, part in, of food chain. So being crafting a brand around that, does that mean you just... Uh, is it pretty simple? David, you said just update your LinkedIn, right? Is that as simple as it is? No, it's hard. It's, it's hard. And, and LinkedIn, so when we're talking about number three on career insurance, the idea of underwritten and the fact that you need to create your personal brand if that ever happened, and then your personal brand will be judged, the number two area of career insurance is one of the critical aspects is updating your personal brand mm -hmm. and who you are and what you've done. And know your audience because there are a lot of a lot of people, and I've even faced this too, where LinkedIn is a, is a great thought process for this because yeah. it does capture our brand. It's very public. And sometimes you need to know, hey, my brand needs to be quiet on LinkedIn but effective, but I need to be building it regardless as, it, as if it is a living thing. Exactly. And protect it inside my company and who might see it there, but also outside. What am I building into this that isn't required at the job that yes. I need to have if I need to pivot? That's exactly that part right. of the exactly. thought that's process? Num that's number two. So, okay. so when we start looking at this career insurance thing, you have number one, which is how can I make myself as indispensable as possible? And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Number two is how to, when I made the decision to jump, what to do and how to do it. So number one, Really, that's not an attribute of your resume. That's not an attribute of LinkedIn. Number one starts looking at you as a worker within your current company and what are the elements in, of today's marketplace around being indispensable. Because previously, being indispensable is about your expertise. Everybody thought if you were the or best. Or just your relationships at work. Well, even more so, though, first and foremost, if you're a really you're good, good guru, at your job, you're good at this piece of thing then we're gonna keep you because you're the best one at it and I can't find the expertise anymore. The problem is that expertises are getting disrupted so quickly that you can't hang your hat on that expertise getting you to the promised land or keeping you indispensable. There's actually a lot of corporate bullying going on because expert power-based people are feeling disenfranchised because that power base is eroding and they lash out because that's what we were taught. Only the best software engineer, only the best data engineer, only the best sci data scientist. So now when you start looking at in being indispensable, it's not about what you do, it's about how you get things done. So I talk about this a lot when training. I can, you can learn how to do something with a video. Learning how to get something done in a complex, complicated environment is really difficult. So being indispensable is when you have the ability to get things done, influencing and working with other people. And so this starts going down the pathway of likeonomics, of being indispensable because you're easy to work with. You get things done, you influence, you share, you're unselfish. And that's gonna be more valuable than that expert power-based person who wants 
you know, everything in the kitchen sink in order to keep working, and then their expertise becomes useless and they're an annoying pain in the butt. <laughs> That's a, that is a fast but excellent overview. Well, we can the, go into a lot of details. We're going it. to in the next episodes. Mm -hmm. What's the next? Okay, so the process? next step is this. So, even if you're the most indispensable person on earth, you have the greatest team working skills, you're a problem solver, you're extremely creative, you're easy to work with, you still don't control your product, you don't control customers' interest in your product, and no matter how great it is, you can ultimately be displaced and your company can die because companies are getting disrupted in faster and faster cycles now. So even doing that, you still have to be thinking about the other side. The other side is, how do I go about finding another job? How do I tackle that? And when you tackle that, there's a big box. The first box is, and you love this box because you deal with this all the time, I'm gonna go call 15 recruiters because recruiters get me jobs. Right. Okay, that's, all, that's what everybody tells me. Oh, they went to a recruiter and they got a job. But we both know recruiters work for the companies, not the individual. Recruiters are looking for the perfect box. So if you're at a job A and you hate job A, and you go to the recruiter, guess what? Recruiter's gonna find you the same job A just for their different company. Very it, little creativity, especially today in a, in a market that's demanding and would like to get 10 out of 10 skills if they list them. That's right, so what we talk about is now we talk about the difference between a recruiter and networking. So I like to say, you'll get, use a recruiter get, to get a job that you're currently experienced for. You get a network for where you want to go. You get a networking job, you network to get a job of where you want to go and who you are. Mm -hmm. So recruiter, you get a job for what you've done. Networking, you get a job for who you are. And the art of building relationships as you network is a topic for later, but that's, that's right. the key, is you're actually, and what we teach clients too is being very surgical about this networking process to build that new yes. opportunity, especially even if you feel comfortable. That's exactly right. So that's the first element. The second element would be who you, who you are as your personal brand, and that's where you were really digging into. So first off is I want to work with people I like. That's, that's just not me. That's just life. So what you have to do is you want to establish who you are in your personal brand. What are your beliefs without being too controversial? What are your hopes? What are your aspirations? Where are you trying to go? If you want to be controversial, you can. Just realize that's going to schism your market a little bit. And they, you yeah, know, if you're a political person or, a, or yeah, you work in a political environment and that's, that's preferred. Okay. But you just have to be careful of that. But basically, mm -hmm. you got to start personalizing yourself and showing the world who you are. And then you have to start thinking about and showing what you've done. And what you've done has to tie back to business outcomes. Nobody is into this idea that I managed three people, I had two off, I, I set up two different office environments. I want to know, you know, did you save the company money? Did you make the company money? Did you start a new division? Then I also part. How of your were you a change agent for yeah. betterment of and reception of this product in the marketplace? How did you influence decision makers? Mm -hmm. There are other ways to tabulate those results, but. You definitely want to show business outcomes. Exactly. And then from the problem solving thing and the creativity thing, your personal brand should establish ideas. Like, are you posting articles on LinkedIn? Are you posting other blog articles and you're showing that in your LinkedIn page? So you're showing prospective employers that you can think, that and you I can problem and solve. And I don't want people listening to this to simplify it either because if it's LinkedIn, it's LinkedIn. But where are the places that you need to be seen in yes. doing these things? Because LinkedIn's a good catch-all for us, but there are, there are very few, but certain clients that we have are very little on LinkedIn, but 
they're building their brand out in areas where they're going to be seen by prospects, but it's not violating sort of the concept of what they should be doing at their company. That's the third. But it's all very yes. intentional. This isn't a haphazard, I need to put, I heard that podcast where you told us to post more articles on LinkedIn. Don't take one thing and blow it up as the mountain here. Exactly. Well, no, this is, a, this is again, we're looking at this. These right insurance step. products are, are sometimes difficult to understand. Exactly. You've got to dig into the depth <laughs> of it. And also, a lot of times with, a, with this type of product, if it's an insurance product, you have a lot of responsibility within it. Like, my responsibility for getting the cheapest life insurance I can possibly get is leading a healthy life. And that's much harder done than said. The same token with career insurance. Your responsibility is... Heavy. We can provide you a template, but you have to fill that template in. So what you're talking about is participating in trade association meetings, participating in meetups and organizations, because one of, one of the elements of Lycanomics is being unselfish. So how are you giving back to the community that you work in? How are you sharing what you have available to you in the community of working? And if you're not a presenter, you can write. If you're not a writer, you can volunteer. Having a volunteer president's role or vice president role for any type of meetup shows huge value. And meetup, not just meetup, meetup, but, but any kind of organization, <laughs> event, get together where yes. you're leading it. I'm a part of a podcasting group where the leader of it probably doesn't need to be there because he already has the podcast for the New York Giants. He's yeah. already been accomplished there. But he loves giving back and, the, and he loves building up other top podcasters. That's, That's right. kind of cool. Then the next thing on top of this is, are you staying current? So, and now you just can't count on your company to keep you current. It's not going to happen. Companies don't pay for training as much as they used to. Well, you Com know that because you're yeah, right in the middle of absolutely. that Absolutely. I could go on for 40 minutes on that. But you have to take control of that. So, where are the trends? If you don't know the trends, are you going to trade associations so you can learn about the trends? Once you learn about the trends, how are you learning about those trends? How knowledgeable are you becoming in those? And how can you build those up? And how much time in your life are you giving to that? Now, you and I aren't sitting here saying you got to spend every waking hour planning your career. But if you took a month and of that month, three, day, three days of two hours each day was career planning, look what you could accomplish in six months. People that are cavalier might say this, and how would you react to this? Ah, David, you know, appreciate that podcast, but man, I, I listen to my TED Talks, you know, and read my books here and there. <laughs> I mean, that's not, I'm not saying we have to, you know, throw shade at that person hard, but no. what, that mentality sometimes, that sounds like comfort to me. Yeah, oh, we all get, that's the life Why right should now. we be uncomfortable and build career insurance then? Because... Without it, you're going to be extremely uncomfortable at some point. <laughs> much, much, much more uncomfortable than more spending, acute than uh, more acute, more painful than spending three hours to five hours a month studying, researching, posting, updating, connecting, and that's the key piece. It's going to be much more acute, and it's going to be a big surprise, and it's it's a, it's a part of your essence. Like the first thing that you know that you go through the stages of losing a job is you feel like you're a loser. You feel like you've lost. And it's so crazy because what professional have you ever seen on the street begging for money after six months or a year? None. It's just that because of effective forecasting, our brains think that we're never going to find a job again. But with skill and with preparing, using the skill we, you teach and we can talk through and preparing appropriately, that time frame and that pain can be lessened. One of, one of my clients you know, going throughout place, and we've helped them th three times in 10 years, kind of like 
you know, who's kind of got this career insurance side part yep. of him. I won't go into the details, but the quick story is he called me, said, hey, what's going on? I was like, hey, Tony, how's it going? He goes, well, just uh, had an interesting day. They came in and let us know that there was a new buyer. I kind of heard word of this, but I wasn't prepared for the day. So I thought I'd reach out and call you. Here's kind of what I'm thinking. I said, well, what are you doing this weekend? It was like a you know, on a Friday late morning, he said, I'm probably, I think I'm going to, you know, grab, grab my wife and the dog and head to the beach. And I was like, man, you sound pretty cool, calm, cool and collected. He said, I've been listening to you yep. for all these years. And I thought that was funny because I'm used to taking more of the, you know, ER call yeah. from people and Hey man, this happened and the drama and the story of it. And he had all that, but he came back, he started doing, just revving up some of the things he'd already worked on, but the peace of mind and the less stress and that he would take time away going, hey, good, I'll take this as a break. You know, I might stay longer at the beach, you know, or something. Exactly. And he came back, he's now working, he's happy, he's at a, at a company that, you know, but he's kept his brand up. He's done a lot of these career insurance things. I think that's cool. And I just love the fact that, yes, he was back here, but not with all the baggage and stress and, and, exactly. and the weight of the world. Yes, that's what and we're just, talking it about. It was a smooth thing, even though he said a lot of people were upset. And I was just like, look, I'm glad I had kind of gone through and put pressure on myself and pressurized myself to do some of these things that we're talking about today and with the concept of career insurance. Exactly. I think you said it so well there that he was a he, right? Yes. He was prepared mentally and he was prepared physically, no pun intended, with all the necessary ingredients that he could relax and think through it. Now stress develops things called cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. It impacts our ability to think. So usually what happens is once we find out, we stressfully think about running to the recruiter, and the next thing you know, we have the same job, just with a different package, and we're just as unhappy. He said, he was, I wanna give you a heads up, he was like in the middle of the call, he said, you know, I should probably talk to my wife about this. I was like, yeah, man, he probably did. <laughs> but he didn't do it in some drama way. Like he was like, it's cool. I've been through this before. I'm going to go through it again. And I'll probably come out better on the other side. I'm prepared. Now that's you know easy to say, but he wasn't like that when he first started. But he pushed himself in that area. Very few people do. I'd love to see people take more of this concept of career insurance. Uh, I want to give you the last word, and we're going to come back with the next episode and drive even deeper. Yeah, so the last word I would say is you got two big elements here that John and I can really dig into. So this isn't a, this isn't a quick pill. There, this is a process and a template. So the first part of it is building out your skill set so you can be as indispensable as possible, understanding that being indispensable has nothing to do with an expertise or a specific practical skill. And then number two is this idea of what are the elements that you need to be prepared for and planning for for when you need to find another job. And those elements include your personal brand, dealing with recruiters versus networking, whether the elements in networking, whether the elements are working with recruiter, you know, from their trade associations and working with trade associations and partnering with that. The next is your education strategies, how to keep yourself up to date and relevant in the marketplace. And then ultimately from there is just your idea of keeping open for the possibilities that may, may come up and never saying no. Take each opportunity as an opportunity to learn. But we'll go through each one of those and the elements in there. And the third one someday, somewhere, when we least expect it, as he used to say in Candid Camera, someone's going to pop up with a package that says, you know, for $30 a month, I can guarantee you a six-month salary at some point in time that you can use as long as you weren't fired. And that'll give you the time you need to make the pivot.
I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. It's just a matter of, you know, if someone could turn it into a profitable business with the right actuarial tables and the right data. Awesome. David Manica from Soft Softed, a business-to-business training firm. We do a lot of this type of training where you can prepare yourself if you're in the, if you're in the software development lifecycle. You can learn more about Agile. You can learn more about business analysis, um, developer operations, or DevOps. So it's, there's a lot of exciting things that we can offer if you're looking at building your, your skills in those areas. That's pretty darn awesome. We'll have you back very soon in the next chapter of Career Insurance. Thank you, John. <laughs>